we are starting a brand new series called 2020 Vision, and it's quite cool that it's our birthday, and I know it's not for everyone, but the truth is I love birthdays. I think birthdays are cool because in the chaos of life, every single person gets a day. And it doesn't matter who you are, you were born on a particular day, and there's a day dedicated to you, to celebrating you, to giving over-the-top to- over love and appreciation. And I find that birthdays are often a day of reflection, right? Like we look back on our life and on the year that's been and maybe you sit across from the dinner table and people say, so what are you expecting for the next year? So we reflect and then we look forward to what's coming up in the future. And I don't know, maybe for you, your birthday's just another day in the calendar. But here at Elam Papakura, we love celebrating our birthday because we want to never lose um, a hold of the fact that while we're moving forward, we should always look back and respect and honor what has happened. And we're so thankful for what God has done in the last 12 months, but we look expectantly towards, towards what God is doing in the future. And, um, you know, the other day I was on Facebook scrolling through and I came across this article of this woman who was 100 years old, but she was born on the 29th of Feb, on a leap year, which means her actual birthday, the 29th of Feb, only came around once every four years. So she was 100, but she was claiming to celebrate her 25th birthday. <laughs> and because uh, only every four years her birthday would actually come up. And I love, as I read this article, how she reflected on her life. She reflected on the key aspects of living a long life. And she said, it was eating healthy and walking regularly. And I read that and I was like, oh dear, oh dear. (laughs) After a hundred years of experience, the two things she says are key, I need to get my act into gear. And then she said, looking forward to the future. I love that. She still had vision for the rest of her life. She says she wants to spend her time catching up with new friends and family. I love that at 100 or 25, however you want to look at it, she's still willing to make new friends. And in this series that we're starting called 2020 Vision, um, over the next few weeks, what we want to do is unpack how you can have vision for different areas of your life. And this is important because my Bible tells me that when there is no vision, people cast off restraint. When we can't see we end up perishing. What that means is when you and I aren't living our lives in constant revelation, so God's revealing things to us from heaven, constant revelation, what happens is we lose direction for where we were designed to go. In fact, Helen Keller said this. She said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. It's profound. Vision is seeing ahead. Vision is having a picture to work towards vision, in fact, is this idea that we could see a glimpse of what God sees. And the vision we have for our life will hugely dictate the way that we interact with the world around us. I love this amazing story that um, I heard from our, um, the lead pastor of our Manurewa campus, Boyd Ratnaraja. I tell you, he is the man. And uh, he's also our national leader. And he tells the story of one day he was wandering through a store. I think it was like, the warehouse or Kmart, and what you have to understand about Boyd is his vision is, sorry, his sight. His sight is terrible, okay? And he's wandering through the store, and he he looks across and sees what he thinks is somebody looking right at him. Now, I'll give you a little bit of an insight into the pastor life. Often, you'll be at the shops, and you see someone looking straight at you, and you're not sure if they just like what they see, or if they're from your church and they recognize you. And so Boyd is wandering through the shops and he sees this person looking straight at him. So he walks across, he says hi, he tries to spark up a conversation. He's trying to be as polite as he can. And it's only after a few moments of no response that he realizes he's speaking to a mannequin. <laughs> Which if you know Boyd, you know that's a classic Boyd move. <laughs> Not being able to see 
what's right in front of us is detrimental. Because when we can see what's right in front of us, it allows us to actually step into what God has for us. Now, many of you know that after school, I studied to be a high school PE teacher. And so I had a plan for my life. I had it all mapped out. I was going to be a teacher. And the truth is, things started to fall into place not as I would have planned. And so after there were no jobs, I enrolled in Elam Leadership College. But I'll be honest, it was a bit of a reluctant move. I was kind of lovingly peer pressured by a great friend of mine, Adrian at Albotany. I'm thankful now. But at the time, I was a little bit reluctant to step into that. Why? Because I had my plan. Like in my mind, in my strength, I had sorted it all out. I knew what I was going to do. Um, But there I was at ELC, Elam Leadership College, and God spoke to me in that time clearer than he ever had leading up to that point, and he redirected me into full-time ministry. And now I say redirected, but the truth is he just directed because my plan to teach was always my plan, but vision is about seeing things the way that God sees them. When I felt called to dedicate my life to full-time ministry in the local church, it was, it was exciting, but it also felt like a little bit like bittersweet because I knew if I was to step into being a pastor of a church one day and, and sort of be faithful with what I had and work my way towards that, it meant that I couldn't also be a high school teacher. Like if I was to step into God's call for my life, I couldn't continue holding on to my plan for my life. And so for me, it was like this left door or right door moment. Like in the matrix, it was like the red pill or the blue pill. What one will you choose and what one will you not choose? And in my mind, it was a little confusing. I'll be honest, I I wasn't quite settled on it in my mind, but in my spirit, it was clear. The old plan had to go so that the new plan could come. And if there's one thing I've learned about living my life for vision, with vision for the future, it's that what lays right in front of me is so much more important than what lays behind me. And Paul, he touches on this in 2 Corinthians. He says this, he says, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ, Jesus, merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. I love this. What's he saying? He's saying, we've just been looking at it from a human point of view. Humanistically, naturally, normally speaking, we've been evaluating this, but he's appealing to us to say, there's something supernatural that takes place when you know Christ. He says, we've been looking at it all wrong, but now that we understand it's supernatural, he says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone and a new life has begun. This is amazing. This is some of the greatest news you could ever hear in your, in your whole life because it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, the mess ups, the mistakes. The old is gone and the new has come. Come on, say that with me. The old is gone and the new has come. Now on Tuesday, um, we had our Elam staff and intern team building day out at Maritai Beach. Now, This is always a good time. We do this once a year, and we do it so that we can bring unity um, and and, and vision and a whole bunch of fun building the team across all six of our campuses and our Elam Leadership College. And I tell you what, it was fun. There were challenges. Darcy's team won, and I'm still recovering. (laughs) People thought we had rigged it. Like the person that was like picking the teams, they said, you've purposely spaced yourself out from Darcy by the exact number of places. I said, you don't understand who I am. I said, if there's one thing I want to be, it's in a different team to Darcy. So I can waste her. But her team was stacked. It was very rigged and they won. <laughs> it was a whole bunch of fun. And to end the day, we decided, well, some of the crew decided we would spend some time jumping off the wharf uh, into the water out at Maraitai Beach. And I tell you, Steve was lunging like an acrobat. Darcy was doing like these toe tuck dives and I was 
capturing it on Instagram. <laughs> I would usually be about that, but the water was cold and you know me, I ain't gonna touch the cold water. So someone had to take one for the team, you're welcome. So I captured it on Instagram and while we're there, Darcy's jumping in and doing all sorts of flips and this sort of thing. And then at one point I see Darcy standing up on the wharf and she looks a little distressed. Not, not crazy distressed, but she looks a little distressed and Steve and I notice that she's over there because a contact lens had come out of her eye. And so she's struggling to put the contact lens back into her eye because of the wind. And so Steve and I huddle around and we use our huge muscular bodies to shield, <laughs> to shield the wind. I'm telling Steve you laughed at him. Um, <laughs> and we're like trying to shield the wind so then Darcy can put the contact lens back in her eye and eventually she gets it in. Um, and we're like, cool, job done. But she comments it's not quite the same. Like there must be some mark, there must be some dirt or, or some dust stuck in it and it doesn't quite feel right. Well, after the wharf jumping and the Instagramming, we're driving home. I'm driving and Darcy's in the passenger seat and she starts to read something. And she turns to me and she says, this whole bottom right part of my page is blank. Like something is in my eye and it's blocking my vision. Like I can't see what's going on there. And I look across and I realize that I can see the words perfectly. Like they're there, they're clear, I can see them. It's because of the muck and the dirt from back at the wharf at a later stage, it was blocking her vision. And I want to suggest to you today that God wants you to have vision for your life. He wants to speak clearly, but sometimes the muck and the dirt from the past, it creates blurry spots in our vision. Like what's right in front of her was there. I could see it because I have vision. I could see what was right in front of her. But she had these blurry moments, not because she was a bad person, not because she had sin, but simply because she had some muck from the past that she hadn't dealt with. I want to ask you this question. When you think of your life, do you look expectantly towards the future? Like, do you have faith to believe for more or do you find yourself dwelling more so on the past? Like, do you live in the freedom of God's grace or do you just carry the guilt and shame of your past that creates blurry spots in your vision? Look, the truth is we've all messed up. Like we've all made decisions we regret. We've held perspectives that weren't healthy. Maybe we've had attitudes that have hurt other people. We've done things and we've been places that we wish we never did or went. But I need you to know today that God is more concerned with your next step than he is your last mistake. And the vision that God wants you to have for your life, it's not incomplete. Um, you don't completely ignore what's happened in the past, but it must be forward focused vision. And I'm not trying to downplay the destructive nature that sin can have in your life. Like sin, the stuff that we do that's against how God asked us to live, it will divide us. It will bring a blackout to our vision. It will bring darkness to our world. It'll cripple us from freedom and it will rob God's best away from your life. I'm not trying to downplay sin. I'm just here to let somebody know that God's call on your life and the grace that He has for you is more powerful than the power that sin can have in your life. I'm, I'm here to let someone know that maybe needs to hear it today, that the darkness and the sin and, and the guilt and the shame of the past was already defeated on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross and He gave it all once and for all, and as He hung there and He said, it is finished, He meant everything. Everything that needed to be done for you to walk in freedom had already been achieved. In fact, Jesus said it like this. He said, I didn't just come to give you life where you would struggle, where it would be tough. And it doesn't mean there aren't tough things in life, but he said, I came to give you life in all its fullness, in abundance, like an overflowing sort of a life that would affect other people. And because of that moment on the cross, guess what? The old has gone and the new has come. You know, we so believe that the hand of God is on your life and what we're doing here in Papakura, but I need you 
every person here, I need you to believe that your greatest days are still ahead. Maybe you've heard that said before and it can seem cliche, but it's the truth. God is alive. He's working. He's seen your past. He's seen your mess and yet he still came. He still came looking for people, not who thought they were perfect, but who realized they were sinners. He sees your past and yet he is so excited for what he might do through you in the future. And so I need you to believe that because if God is going to continue to do a new thing in us and through us, we must have forward focused vision. You see, my crossroads moment at ELC was to step into full-time ministry, which meant that the old plan had to go so that the new plan could come. The Bible doesn't say that the old remains and the new comes, right? But the old is gone. Nada, zip, removed from your life, gone, no longer having an impact on your life. The old must go in order for the new to come. And if we're to live a life of vision, freedom, and purpose, you know what that means? It means old attitudes don't fit in tomorrow. It means old perspectives don't fit in tomorrow. It means old habits will no longer serve us well where God is serving us tomorrow. And in order to see our future clearly, we must move beyond our past. Let me show it to you. Isaiah chapter 43. And this is God speaking. He says, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the seas. He's like, do you remember? Do you remember back then when I did that? He says, I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves and they drowned. Their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick. He's like, Israel, you've been through a lot and I've been there and I've protected you and there's been some good times and some bad times. But then he says, but forget all that. That's significant. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am about to do. He says, for I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wastelands. I love this. Forget all that. Do you see it? Forget all that. Do you see it? You've been through stuff. There's mistakes. There's mess ups. You felt like you've disqualified yourself. But God is saying, look, let the past be in the past. Forget all that because I'm starting something new. And he says, in fact, I've already started it. It's already in front of you. The wheels are already in motion, but do you see it? Or is there stuff from the past that's getting in the way, creating blurry spots in your vision because he's already begun it? You know, when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, God spoke to a man named Moses. And he spoke to Moses about freeing the people from the slavery they were experiencing in this land of Egypt. And he promised them a special land. We read in the Bible, it's called the promised land. It was a land promised to Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, and it was a place promised to be incomparably better than where they were. Like where they were was slavery, it was the worst, and this promised land was incomparably better than where they were. And in Exodus chapter 6, verse 8 to 9, this is how it unfolds. It says, I will bring you into the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to you as your very own possession. I am the Lord. Now get this. So Moses told the people of Israel what the Lord had said, but they refused to listen anymore. They'd had enough. They didn't want to hear it. It says they, became, they had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. They had become too discouraged by the brutality of their slavery. Get this. The Israelites, God's chosen people, were in Egypt, but the oppression of Egypt had gotten into them. And it had blinded their vision and dismantled their hope for the future. Because God was speaking and God was leading, but they couldn't see it and they couldn't believe it. 
Long story short, God is good on his promise, as he always is, and he helps deliver these people from slavery, and they're making their way towards this promised land that God has for them. They left the past behind to move forward to the future. The old had gone, and they knew it was coming. It was coming. They were on their way, and this is the problem, and this is where so many of us get caught. They're on their way to what God had promised, and then they start to complain. God, we would have been so much better off as slaves back where we were than where we currently find ourselves. And I read this, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like the promised land was promised to be incomparably better than where they were, but they were complaining because God had taken the people out of Egypt, but Egypt was still in the people. They still carried around the same oppression, old perspectives, Old habits, old attitudes were blinding them from seeing what God had for them. Because the truth is, even though life looks different, sometimes our heart isn't. They were physically moving forward, but they were still blocked out. There was still stuff from back that had twisted their heart and their perspective that they were unable to see what it is that God was doing. And many of these people, they never made it into the promised land. Because in order for the new to come, the old must go. Maybe someone's hurt you and you're still carrying unforgiveness. Come on, don't let the muck of yesterday stop you and blind you and put blurry spots in your vision for what God is leading you into. Maybe someone in church offended you. Maybe it was me. I'm sorry. Um, And maybe because of that, you've been reluctant to get involved again. You see a whole bunch of people every month go through growth track, jump onto the dream team, start making a difference. And you're like, yeah, but not me because this thing happened. And I need to say to you, I get that, and I want to be sensitive to what happened, and I apologize on behalf of anyone that may have hurt you, but the truth still remains that God created you to make a difference. The truth still remains that He created you with gifts and talents that make you unique, and that matters because God has placed that in you, not for yourself, but to make a difference in the world that He's placed you in. And I need you to rise up and begin to believe again that God's greatest lays right in front of you, and don't let the muck of yesterday stop you from stepping into the fullness of what God has for you tomorrow. See, in order for God to do a new thing, we must become vessels that are prepared for a fresh filling. And in order to have vision for our future, it's going to require us to step out of our comfort zone and to move away from old thinking. Come on, you're not just a stay-at-home mum and papakura, but you're a disciple maker with a different sphere of influence that can and will be used by God just as much as anybody else. You're not just an ordinary adult broken with issues, with notable faults and weaknesses. But the truth is, you are a child of God who has the ability to boast in your weakness. Like, I suck. Like, I'm weak. Not everything is strong. I excel here and I'm weak here. And when I should have done well, I didn't. And I'm disappointed in myself. But it's in those moments that God says we can boast in our weakness. Why? Because it's in our weakness that the strength of God is made perfect in us. That's encouraging that you don't have to measure up. God doesn't require perfection from you. He just requires surrender. Sometimes what is right in front of us doesn't need to change. But the way that we look at it does. Just like Darcy trying to read something in the car, like what was right in front of her was great, it was good, it was informative, but she couldn't see it because of the muck of the past. What's right in front of us might be good, but maybe we need to address and move on from the things in our past. Excellent, you can join me on keys, that would be awesome. I'm going to finish in just a few minutes. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 17, uh, we read that Jesus is teaching a bunch of people, and he says to them, 
which to be honest, the story in the Bible has been one of the most confusing to me for a long time. But as I've read it more and I've, I've studied and encourage you to do the same, he's showing me something here that's, that's simple. But he says, you don't put new wine in old wineskins. Old wineskins, kind of like a, a, like a wine leather bag that they would store wine. And he says, you don't do that. Like No one does that. Don't put new wine in old wineskins. He said, for the old wineskins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the wineskins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. He's saying that new wine needs to be stored in new wineskins. The new stuff can't be stored inside the old framework. If you keep the old wineskin and you try to give it a fresh filling, it will only cause damage. But thank God, that by His grace, you and I have been made a brand new creation. It's not just a version where we cut it off, we just turn a blind eye, we don't look at it anymore. It's the old us. It's not us anymore. And He creates a brand new creation out of us. And God wants to fill you fresh with the Holy Spirit. He wants to set you alight for the things of God so that you could step out and make a difference in the way that you were created to make it. Because where there is new wine comes new power. And the new wine needs new wineskins. I'm so thankful for every person here. There is not a single place you could find yourself where you are too far removed from God for His grace to reach you right where you are. I said it earlier. I don't want to downplay the destructive nature of sin, but I'm here to tell somebody that the victory has already been won. You may feel overwhelmed by the guilt and the shame, but Jesus came and he said, there is now there is no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus. For those who are in Christ Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come. And I'm gonna pray for you. I'm gonna pray as we continue to journey through this 2020 vision series, that God would open your eyes to a fresh revelation of his love and of his grace, that he would bring clarity to your future, boldness to step up and faith to believe for more. I wanna invite everyone to close your eyes right where they are. I'm gonna pray.